Welcome to The Accidental Curator. My name is George Bathgate, and it is January the 23rd, 2022, the new year. Um, This is episode nine of The Accidental Curator, and this episode I'm going to just chat with you for a little bit, and uh, then I'm going to read to you a story that I wrote uh, several years ago about uh, an experience I had in Peshawar, Pakistan, back in the 70s. And it's just called New Year's Eve, 1973, Peshawar, Pakistan. But um, yeah, it's uh, just about two years into the pandemic. And that's kind of top of mind for most of us still, unfortunately. Um, It looked like things were getting a little bit better uh, by late October, November of last year. Um, I had reopened my business, Shavasana Gallery Cafe, over on Main Island, and was starting to run the business kind of normally, like a normal cafe with full seating capacity. And people would come in wearing masks, and then they would take their masks off and have a little coffee and a visit. And it was all feeling quite lovely. It was feeling quite normal. But then the Omicron hit, and uh, that sort of changed everything because the numbers are so severe. Um, We're seeing infection rates like we haven't seen uh, throughout the entire pandemic. So it's worrisome. We're all scrambling around trying to gather up pieces of information that feel comfortable and right to us. And uh, that's where I think most people are in the world because Omicron seems to be spreading like wildfire and maybe we're getting over the hump now. That's what they're talking about. Maybe it's a a mild outbreak in terms of uh, its severity. So that is kind of the backdrop for everybody globally, I think. Um, and we all wrestle with whether or not to get our vaccines. I'm a vaccine guy, so I've got both of my vaccines and my booster. And um, I hope to start living life a little more normally in the near future. I did shut my uh, gallery cafe down again <clears throat> just because it was awkward to travel. I do commute from Vancouver to get over there. And it was just awkward to um, to commute in the region. Uh, I, I take public transit to get over there because it just saves a heck of a lot of money on ferry costs. And um, I find when I'm on public transit, I can do a little bit of extra work on my, my iPhone. I don't mind communicating with people or just checking things out, the news, the things we do online. And uh, so that's not bad. And the ferry trip itself is quite lovely. So I, I quite enjoy the whole... Uh, commute to get over there. It takes me a couple of hours, but it's a, a well worth it trip. Anyway, this is episode nine of The Accidental Curator, and I'm going to be reading to you a little story um, that I wrote uh, several years back about an experience I had in Peshawar, Pakistan on New Year's Eve. And the story itself is called quite simply uh, New Year's Eve. 1973, Peshawar, Pakistan. But before I get into that, I just want to comment um, a little bit further on things that have been going on for us, at least here locally. Um, Personally, I don't think Vancouver is separate and distinct from the rest of the world. I think we're all going through our own um, degrees of climate change and whatnot. But um, Vancouver and the region and British Columbia has been really hit hard this past year with uh, um, climate disasters. Yeah, we've just, um, we had huge fires in the summertime 
And then we had horrible flooding in the fall, like we haven't seen in, oh, a hundred years, you know, and uh, a very, very cold winter. Um, we had record-breaking uh, cold this winter, which for Vancouver is is unusual. For the rest of Canada, they're kind of, they would look at us and laugh because, you know, we went to minus 15, whereas they, you know, quite consistently can get minus 35, 20, you know, 25, high, high Low 20s, 30s, uh, all across Canada throughout a regular Canadian winter. But for Vancouver, it was a bit unusual. And uh, that was followed up in January by a, um, a king tide that coincided with extreme weather event that destroyed local piers and flooded um, beachways and destroyed a lot of oceanside walks and stuff like that. So it's just been a little in a word, weird. And, uh, you know, the, the question is, some people would say, oh, these are one in 500 year events, or these are, you know, very rare occurrences. But I think because we're all um, conscious of climate change, global warming, whatever you want to call that, we're conscious of it. And when these things do occur, the first thing that pops in your mind is, is this the new normal? So uh, these are just some concerns we're dealing with locally. And I'm a news junkie, so, you know, I follow what's going on around the world, too, and I see similar events happening anywhere from Japan to Pakistan to the Middle East to Europe. You know, we're not, no one seems to be immune, but again, are these anomalies or are these trends? And that, for me at least, um, has been weighing on me a little bit, and uh, I use it as a great excuse to not produce things when I should be doing stuff. <laughs> no, I... I it's it's easy to um to rely on on external things to um to make excuses for ourselves but uh all of the projects that i've had for the last couple of years um they're kind of languishing a little bit right now so even to get back into this podcast has been a little bit of a i've had to you know become my own worst boss and really force myself to you know get into it and do it so here we are, and uh, uh, without further ado, uh, this is The Accidental Curator, Episode 9, New Year's Eve, Peshawar, Pakistan. The bus trip from Kabul, Afghanistan, to Peshawar, Pakistan is only 300 kilometers and Depending on the mechanical worthiness of your bus, the number of eyes that your bus driver has, ours had only one, the number of herds of goats that cross the road, and the general mood of the border guards, ranging from angry and uncooperative to indifferent and distracted, the trip should only take between six and ten hours, and this was in the days before roadside bombs and ambushes. My traveling companions, four young American men and two Australian women, and I, arrived in Peshawar mid-afternoon on December 29th, enough time to find a hotel, unload our backpacks, and wander around a bit before grabbing a bite of dinner. We'd been on the road since 7 a.m. with limited access to food and only intermittent washroom breaks. There were no washrooms on buses then, and in fact, often, there were no washrooms at all, at the various rest stops. Relieving oneself involved stepping over feces on an open field behind a wall, squatting and pooping. 
As it is winter, the countryside here is sparse, arid, and brown, and we are cold. All of we backpack travelers who are following the hippie trail from Istanbul to India are wearing all of our clothing to keep warm. The first Pakistanis we meet seem slightly more affluent than the impoverished Afghanis and are more fluent in English, due, no doubt, to a hundred years of British influence during the Raj. The following day, on December the 30th, we began exploring our new neighborhood, and according to my journal, the effects of the world-renowned local hashish. Here's an excerpt from my journal. Man, these are the craziest days of my life. We are getting so stoned. I bought one ounce of hash for about 250 from a really paranoid type guy. Unquote. The astute observations of teenage George. The cultural and sensory differences here, for a young Canadian, are so vast and complete that getting stoned is really unnecessary. Why dilute the intensity of the experience? Why not maintain one's wits in a foreign land where unknown danger lurks? Chalk it up to hippie culture and blind youthful invincibility, and of course the fact that I like to get high. It's what we did. No harm could befall us. But dangers abound in foreign lands, and they take many different forms and seek out unexpected opportunities. The paranoid guy that I mentioned related a story about his cousin's drug bust in a chai shop for possession of hash. Apparently, he was now stuck in Peshawar, continuing to sell drugs to foreigners to help pay for his fine because he had no money. Running afoul of the law in a foreign land is never fun and can be made much worse by corrupt police and officials. Inappropriate and unwanted advances can also be dangerous for both parties. When our hash dealer told me that I had a pretty face, my young straight male desire to defend my sexuality with violence was barely suppressed by my emerging tolerance and worldliness. According to my journal, I considered cutting my hair decided not to because all the guys were getting hit on. New Year's Eve, 1973. Pakistan and India had been at war three times in 30 years, and there was, at that time, a much more noticeable military presence in Pakistan than there was in Afghanistan. Afghanistan was largely at peace and would remain so until the Russians invaded in 1979, whereas Peshawar, and Pakistan felt edgier. It was common to see armed Pashtuns wandering around and hear random gunshots going off in the near and far. Our hotel was only a short walk from an arms bazaar where merchants hawked guns of all kinds and young boys could be found working away at various weapons manufacturing assembly jobs. Our route also took us past open slaughterhouses where children bathed in blood, would be up to their elbows in entrails, with large knives cutting edible, saleable pieces of lamb and sheep. Nothing gets wasted, except for we hippies experiencing this carnage through a hashish-addled fog, of course. We were smoking a lot of hash as we went about our day. Played snooker, smoked a little hash. Had lunch, smoked more hash. Met a guy selling hashish and Campbell's soup cans for us to smuggle back to Canada. 
decided maybe it was a bad idea, smoked more hash. Eventually, our wanderings led us to a carpet shop, where we met our new best friend, Carwan, the shopkeeper. Graham bought a $17 carpet, so Carwan showed his appreciation by smoking some hash with us and taking us to his warehouse, where he had a section of floor covered in ancient artifacts that he had dug up from a local archaeological site. Have a look at these old pieces I have dug up. If you see something you like, please take it. It is my gift to you. As backpackers on a long-distance trip, every ounce of weight has significance. I looked around at the various pieces and found a little head that I liked, while my buddy Brad picked up an equally attractive small piece that would fit into his pack. We thanked Carwan, and he insisted that we join him back in his shop for brandy. It's quite easy to get hash in Pakistan, but as a Muslim country, alcohol is forbidden. But of course we joined him, thinking it would be rude to do otherwise, adding booze onto our already stoned perspectives. Hey, Carwan, I asked, do you know where we can get some booze for tonight? It's New Year's Eve, and we're going to have a little party back at our hotel. You could join us. Our other friends will be there too. Just bring some of your hash. Delighted by this invite, Carwan happily gave us directions to the store where alcohol could be purchased in a little bakery just a few blocks away. We told him the name of our hotel and that he could drop in after eight. We set out in search of the bakery and alcohol. It was a nondescript little shop with a few baked goods displayed in the window. We ascended the two stone steps, opened the door, and walked in. The owner greeted us warmly. It was late afternoon, and most of his wares had been purchased, except for some flatbreads and a few sweets. He spoke a little English, so we said, Carwan at the carpet shop said you might have some alcohol for sale. Immediately, his cheerful demeanor darkened. The smile left his brows furrowed. His eyes darted from Brad to myself. Then he came out from behind the counter, opened the front door, and looked up and down the street before shutting the door, pulling down the blinds and locking it. One moment, please, he said as he disappeared into the back. He soon reappeared with a bottle of brandy in a bag, which he handed to us in exchange for about five bucks. We thanked him and left, gaining some insight into the paranoia of yesterday's hash dealer, but not enough to make us stop. We smoked a bit more hash, ate something somewhere, and made our way back to the hotel to begin our little New Year's celebration. Graham, Knute, Brad, and I convened in Jill and Sally's room to share the brandy, followed soon after by the arrival of our new friend Carwan, the carpet merchant. We are doing what young people do at parties in the West, drinking, smoking, sharing a few laughs, flirting with the girls, vying for their attention while keeping an eye on the competition. It's a small, intimate group, and we've been traveling together for a month through these foreign lands. Carwan seems to be having fun, drinking and smoking, and telling awkward jokes. He could be the foreign student in our college dorm, trying to fit in to be one of the guys and impress the girls. As midnight approached, we decided to have some kind of countdown 
on Graham's watch. Ten, nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one, midnight, happy new year. Spontaneously, we all gave each other hugs, high fives and handshakes, until I noticed that Carwan wasn't participating in our little celebratory group hug. Instead, he was sitting on one of the beds, looking around rather furtively, with his hands clasped between his legs. Go on, girls, why don't you give Carwan a hug too, I suggested. As Jill reached over to embrace our shopkeeper friend, he stood up with a rather apparent erection, ballooning out from under his very baggy and loose-fitting white cotton pants. He grabbed Jill, pushed her onto the bed, lay on top of her, and began squeezing her breasts rather vigorously. Without hesitation, the boys and I grabbed Carwan and peeled him off Jill and sat him back down on the bed so she could escape. No, no, man. Hey, that's not cool, we said to him. It was just a friendly hug, nothing more, nothing else intended. Have another drink. It's okay, buddy. It's okay. Someone splashed a bit of brandy in his glass, but between the mistaken expectation of what Carwan thought was happening with two Western women in a hotel room and the embarrassing reality of our collective reaction, he was both humiliated and angry. He lifted his glass to his lips, drank the contents, and then smashed it on the floor. At this, we decided that Carwan had overstayed his welcome. We four guys grabbed him by the arms and lift-walked him out the door down the stairs and outside where we released him and he fell unconscious onto the street in front of our hotel. We stood there for a while wondering what else to do. Carwan was indeed passed out on the street. Horses, cars and people slowly made their way around his immobile body. Eventually the manager of the hotel came out, looked at Carwan, shrugged his shoulders and went back in. According to my journal, the hotel guys we're supposedly trying to kill him, so they let him lie in the street. As we grabbed Carwan by the legs and tried to haul him away from the worst of the traffic, a hippie carrying free beer approached us and said, What's all this brouhaha? I looked slowly at the freak and said, Brouhaha? I retorted questioningly. And then in unison we all said, Ha ha completing the Firesign Theater skit that, as stoners, we were all familiar with. And then he was gone. Maybe I need to cut down on the hash, I thought. As we headed back to the hotel room and our dwindling supply of brandy, but before we entered the hotel, we turned and shouted to the night sky the only two words in Pashto that we knew that we had picked up in Afghanistan. Chulta Bukharum! which roughly translates to kiss my ass. We were young and we were high and it was New Year's in Pakistan. Okay, listeners, that's the end of episode nine, New Year's Eve, 1973, Peshawar, Pakistan. Just a, a little anecdote from my trip halfway around the world back in the early 70s. Um, thanks so much for joining me today. My name again is George Bathgate, and this is The Accidental Curator. Um, during the first uh, eight episodes, I was always promising that I was going to get more material out more quickly, but that doesn't seem to be the case right now for whatever reason. 
Uh, I like to blame the uh, the pandemic. Uh, that's that's my big excuse. But um, I do have material and I do have intentions. So I'm sure that further episodes will be forthcoming. If you enjoy this, if you have enjoyed this, uh, please feel free to subscribe. You can subscribe either to this uh, podcast on Podbean or on either Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts. And if by chance you uh, can think of anyone that you may know who might be interested in this uh, podcast, I would please encourage you to reach out to them and just let them know and maybe they would like to subscribe as well. And just um, wishing you safety, health and happiness throughout the uh, remainder of 2022. Um, We're all looking for a return to a more normal existence and hopefully the pandemic will be winding down in the not too distant future. Again, thanks so much for showing up. Um, I will be working on some new material in the not too distant future, I hope, and I hope you show up. Uh, It's very nice when you do. Thanks so much. We'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.